At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Coming to you from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S C O T T S O N A I R. There's plenty of NBA playoff action to react to. No, no. We had an off night in the NBA playoffs. Why? I don't know. Travel? Well, yeah, for one series. But the other series, we haven't seen them play since Tuesday. (laughs) Yeah, the NBA playoff schedule is really, really awkward this week. But don't worry. This is the last time we will have no games being played unless we have series that wrap up and... We're getting ready for the the next round, but uh, that those Tuesday matchups that we saw, Bucks, Celtics, Warriors, Grizzlies, we're gonna get those game threes Saturday. So coming up on Friday, we will actually have the game threes of the games that we saw on Wednesday night, which is the Heat, Sixers, and the Suns, Mavericks. Plenty to break though, plenty of breakdown of those coming up uh, a little bit later on this hour as. I really, uh, I, 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 there has been some line movement and there's been even more line movement because uh, I think we know now uh, Joel Embiid will not be playing in uh, this game because uh, the spread has moved and you could have, which we probably should have, and maybe we would have, uh, taking the Miami Heat at plus one when this game opened up. There was a real belief that Joel Embiid was coming back for this game. And there's still a possibility that his status could change even though he's listed as out. He's not going to play, though. And we probably, even with him playing... I still felt that Miami was the right side of this game. The way that they have looked in the first two games, the way that they looked all season long, and their defensive ability, and with the potential of Kyle Lowry returning to them, makes them, elevates them a little bit more, especially defensively. James Harden just clearly not, good enough to lead the team. And so, yeah, if Embiid was back, they'd get a boost from him. But I talked about it last night, how much I actually loved Miami in the first half if Embiid was back. Because I felt that there would be an adjustment. That it would take him a little bit to get comfortable. Not just playing with the mask on, and I know he's done it before, but this is a different injury, and it's a pain tolerance issue. But I felt that psychologically, you just have to get comfortable being in in the middle of the contact, right? 
You don't want to be hesitant. You don't want to be avoiding contact. You don't want to be scared of getting hurt again. So I thought that in the first half, he would be a little hesitant and Miami would be the right side. Seeing Miami at plus one for the game, I thought it was good enough to bet Miami. Then the line moved to Sixers minus one, which, you know, kind of, uh, or excuse me, it was Sixers minus one. It moved to Miami minus one. And that was your first indication that, yep, you know what? Embiid's probably not going to play. Now it's up to the Miami Heat minus three, which is because Joel Embiid has been ruled out. Although, like I said, that could change. The total is 210 which is an adjustment from what we saw in games one and game two. In game one of this series, the total was 208 and a half, and it flew under. That led to the books making an adjustment for game two, posting that total originally at 206 and a half, two points down. It then gets bet up to around 208, which was the line that we had in game one, close, close enough. Now, for and that game, by the way, goes over. And the over was the right play because if you just looked at how poorly both teams shot in game one, if you just got a little bit better shooting in game two from three-point range, you were going to see an over. And that's what happened as the Heat made, what, 14 threes in that game? So, yeah, it went over easily. And then now... For game three, total of 210. Is that an overreaction? Will this series tighten up? Or will the Heat continue to roll? And will the Sixers be unable to contend? Even though they're at home and they should get a boost, what we have seen from this team without Joel Embiid is a team that is just not even close to the level of the Miami Heat. So I agree with the line. Total intrigues me. But I think the Heat take a 3-0 series lead and will go on to win this series. And really, I looked at these numbers last night on the series uh, sweep scores. And Miami to sweep now is the favorite at plus 175. Before, it was the second favorite. It was a little higher than that. It was a little interesting. But now at plus 175 to sweep, I still like it. Heat to win in five is plus 180. And the Heat to win in six, plus 550. Heat to win in seven, plus 500. I like Heat to win in a sweep at plus 175, plus 180. Obviously, the better numbers were prior to the series even beginning. But hey... You got a 2-0 lead that's likely going to be a 3-0 lead. I think the most interesting thing here when it comes to the NBA playoff markets is the Celtics and the Bucks. And now we're not going to see that until Saturday. But I need I need some help figuring this out. The Celtics and the Bucks are tied at a game apiece. Because Milwaukee won one of the games in Boston, they have stolen home court advantage from the Celtics. There are now five games left 
in this series. Three of those five games are in Milwaukee. I'm not saying anything that no one else knows, right? Games three, four, and six are in Milwaukee. The Bucks are a three-point favorite in game three at home. Yet the Celtics are now minus 155 favorites to win this series. How does this make sense? If the Celtics are favored to win the series, and whatever math you want to do, converting this to probability and odds, whatever they're saying, it's more than a 50% chance that they win this series. Obviously, if you just do the math on the 155, it's you know probably closer to 60, uh, a little in between there. It's between 50 and 60% that they win this series. So they obviously, in order to win this series will have to win one game in Milwaukee, right? They have to, because they only got two home games remaining. So they have to win one game in Milwaukee. But if they are underdogs in this game three, is there going to be a four-point adjustment for game four? or a four-point adjustment for Game 6? No, they're probably going to be underdogs in Game 4 and 6, just like they are in Game 3. So, if if, if they're telling us that they're greater than 50% to win the series, which means they have to win a game in Milwaukee then why are they going to be underdogs in every game in Milwaukee? You see, something doesn't add up, which, based on this series price, gives me the inclination to bet the Celtics plus the three points, that there's value on the Celtics as an underdog in every game in Milwaukee. Just makes sense to me because the numbers don't add up. You know, the numbers add up pretty much everywhere else, right? Warriors minus 290 for their series against the Grizzlies. It makes sense. Warriors, the series is tied. They they stole home court advantage, and they're a seven-point favorite in game three. So, yeah, they're a heavy favorite to win this series. Suns are up 2-0, they're minus 1,400. The Heat are up 2-0, they're minus 1,600. Everything makes sense there. But the Celtics at minus 155 to win the series, underdogs in game three, Milwaukee having home court advantage now. Math doesn't exactly add up. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You hit me up on Twitter, at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N. A-I-R, getting to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Coming up next, recap a busy, busy night on the ice and look ahead to the schedule coming up here on Friday. This is the look ahead coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll get back into the NBA playoffs. James Alberino at Spread Investor will break down the Friday card for us, see if there's value on the board like I believe there is, especially uh, coming up on Saturday with that Celtics game 
against the Bucks. Plus, we got Kentucky Derby to get into, UFC 274. It is a stacked look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This segment of The Look Ahead is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke free, spit free, and available in 10 varieties, and they come in two strengths so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide. Visit zin.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott Solonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. As we... Take a look at what went down in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Favorites went three and one. The only upset was the Stars, who beat the Flames two to nothing. The uh, Unders went three and one as well after Overs did so well uh, the other night. Here's the interesting nugget. Four and zero now. Home teams, and this is something to keep an eye on, maybe as we move forward or uh, certainly looking ahead to next year and whatnot, but home teams are now 4-0 this postseason in game two after dropping game one. So the home favorite in game one losing like the Minnesota Wild did to the Blues, like the Oilers did to the Kings, like the Rangers did to the Penguins, and the Panthers to the Capitals. All four of those home favorites lost on game, in game one. All four of them bounced back with wins at home in game two to even up their series at a game apiece. So the Rangers win 5-2, over the Penguins, uh, Luis Domingue got the start in net after, of course, what we saw in the triple overtime game, Casey DeSmith getting hurt for the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins already without their starting goaltender, Tristan Jari. So Domingue still made 35 saves, did as best as he could, but the Rangers, 40 shots on net. They were tremendous and uh, Igor Shesterkin was tremendous as well. He made 39 saves as the Blue Shirts win 5-2 to two to even up that series now at a game apiece. And the Panthers, boy, you know, I have so much, not, not FOMO. Um, there's got to be a good, a, a good phrase for this. Is it winner's, it's not win, it's not buyer's remorse or winner's remorse or something or it, it, maybe it's FOMO, but there's got, what's the term? And maybe you guys can help me back there. What's the term for, you know, I want to bet, but I wish I won more and I should have won more. 
There's got to be a there's got to be like a saying for that, right? I keep saying it's it's betting FOMO, like fear of missing out on more money. Um, and it's not winner's remorse because I don't feel bad about winning. What was that? The the less you bet, the more you win. Oh, the less you bet, the more you lose when you win. That's from uh, the bear. That's from Chris Felica. The less you bet, the more you lose when you win. Hmm. I understand that now. But the Panthers against the Capitals, by the way, that saying just went right over my head. Uh, I'm kidding. I get it. No, I don't. The way I felt about this Panthers game is the same way that I felt about the Avalanche in game one. Where it was, I was, the handicap was so solid, was so strong, and it felt too easy, too easy to bet. Avalanche go up 5-0 before you could even blink in game one. It was 5-0 after the first period. They rout the Predators 7-2. And I kept thinking to myself, why didn't I bet more on this? Why? This was so obvious. I felt the same way about the Panthers and at the Capitals. The Panthers were the best home team in the NHL this season. They finished with the most points. They won the President's Trophy. They lose in game one. There was no way they were losing this game. The way that they came out, the intensity that they played with, and playoff hockey just hits differently, man. But you saw it. It was clear as day that they were a team on a mission. Not saying the Capitals weren't, because playoff hockey, everyone's trying to win. But the Capitals did their job. They stole home ice advantage. By winning game one, they did their job. Going into game two on the road, you win and take a 2-0 lead as the road team? That is an that's an added bonus. But they accomplished their goal, which was to win a game in Florida and head back to D.C. at worst, tied at a game apiece, knowing that three out of the remaining five games of this series are on your home ice. So the Panthers, to win this game, the Panthers on the puck line, this was the easiest bet of the night. And not so much the Rangers, who I also felt strongly about, and we gave out that play last night, but at least the Rangers and Penguins were two close teams. Like the Capitals, with all due respect to them, not on the level of the Panthers. So the fact that they got the upset win in Game 1 made you love the Panthers even more in this spot. And it was a no-doubter 5-1 to victory. And how about the Stars? upsetting the flames last night i said i think it's going to be a chalky day and the only underdog that i think could win is the stars and that's why i'm staying away from the calgary flames i didn't bet on the stars i didn't bet this game at all i just completely stayed away because it was i didn't like it at all so but it doesn't surprise me that the stars won it wouldn't have surprised me if the if the flames won wouldn't if the flames won five nothing it wouldn't have surprised me nothing surprises me in that series and so now you have only two of the four of the eight series that are two games to none leads. 
the Avalanche have a two-games-to-none lead on the Predators, and the Hurricanes have a two-games-to-none lead over the uh, Bruins, which is amazing because both the Hurricanes and the Avalanche were teams that during the regular season were considered to be the top two teams in the NHL. And they both finished second place. The Panthers finished first in the Eastern Conference. And, uh, well, no, the Colorado did finish uh, first in the Western Conference, but I'm just thinking President's Trophy. The Panthers uh, finished in first place as the most points in the NHL. Colorado, been there, done that. They had no interest in winning the President's Trophy. But anyway, Canes are up two games to none on Boston. Avalanche up two games to none on the Predators. So here's what's coming down on Friday. You got game three in Boston. The Bruins are minus 130 favorites over the Hurricanes. They don't win this game. They're getting swept. I mean, this is, this is you want to talk about a desperation team coming out, looking for, uh, for, for a desperation win. What's so interesting is, you know, Carolina has been without Frederick Anderson. And they've been reliant upon backups. You know, Auntie Ranta in game one and uh, in game two, Kochetkov, who is the, the, the rookie here, right? You know, Ranta leaves the game and Kochetkov has to come in and he made 30 saves in that spot. And so now they go into Boston for game three and will the, you know, law of averages catch up to them? Uh, Boston avoid going down 3-0. They got to like them as, as the favorites here. Tampa minus 115 uh, at home against Toronto. That series tied at a game apiece. The Blues minus 115 at home against the Wild. Of course, that series tied at a game apiece. And then here's the interesting stuff. The Oilers, minus 145 road favorites in L.A. against the Kings with that series tied at a game apiece. Hmm. That one raises some eyebrows. Although, Oilers are the better team, even though they lost game one. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N. A-I-R. We'll have plenty more hockey discussion a little bit later on in the program. Luf and Akara will join us. But coming up next, we'll get back into the NBA playoffs. Our friend James Alberino on Twitter, at Spread Investor, will join me here on the program as we take a look at the matchups coming up on Friday and Saturday as Game 3s will be underway for these series. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Answer the call of cash with DraftKings Connect to Victory Challenge, sponsored by Verizon. Play for free in this nine part prediction pool series and take your shot at grabbing a share of $45,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Verizon now to join the action. Verizon, America's most reliable 5G network, terms and conditions, and other 
Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Joining us now to talk about the NBA playoffs is James Alberino. You follow him on Twitter at Spread Investor. And James, let's talk about the NBA playoffs here, the series that we will see continue coming up on Friday because of this bizarre schedule where the Celtics series and the Warriors series goes from Tuesday to Saturday. But uh, that's that's a total different conversation. Uh, what can you take away? from the Heat and Sixers' first two games so far? Well, the Sixers without Embiid have a lot of problems on both sides of the ball. Doc Rivers has had to put lineups in with sometimes two guys who are next to non-factors offensively. And defensively, DeAndre Jordan is a, is a negative and... Paul Reed can't stay on the floor more than 15, 20 minutes without getting into foul trouble. So very top heavy for Philadelphia with Tobias Harris and Maxie being the only reliable guy scoring. You're not even getting a full scoring output, normal output from James Harden because one, he's just not the same player as he was four or five years ago. And two, he's getting double teamed a lot of times when he's driving to the lane. So the gap in this series is bigger then the line projected the heat have covered with margin in both games. And I think even if Embiid did play in the series where that line was originally when it opened, it still wasn't a good indication of how the series was going to go. Yeah. The, the Sixers opened up as a point favorite here in game three. It quickly moved to heat minus one. Now we're at heat minus three. Uh, I, I think the Heat are still the right side here, even though, you know, the Sixers will play with desperation, as we can expect, being the home team down 0-2. What's your angle here on Game 3? Is it similar to Games 1 and 2? Well, look, this is a really unique situation because the Sixers ruled them beat out this afternoon, but the NBA has flaws in their injury report status because look at what the Suns did last week with Devin Booker. They ruled them out the day before game six official ruled out and then 40 minutes before tip wait they change his status and now he's active the suns pay a fine they get around the nba ruling and devin booker is able to play the suns just lose a little bit of money now if doc's doing that i don't know there's no polygraphs at, at his press conferences the last two days but it is possibility. What I would say to play this, you don't play the heat right now. The line is pretty much at its peak at minus three. Maybe it goes to minus three and a half. But what the possibility is, is if Doc Rivers is playing coy and makes Joe Ellen beat active a half hour before the game, this will flip to Philadelphia minus one. So you could get the heat either at three, three and a half as late as, as late as possible, even if Embiid is definitively ruled out. Um, I think this is one best to wait right before tip-off. I even think that if Embiid does play, that maybe the Heat in the first half would be the way to go because you know you're going to get value because the line is going to be in favor of the Sixers playing in that desperation role with down 0-2 as the home team. But I think that Embiid might be hesitant in the first half. There's going to be an adjustment. Yes, he's played with the mask before, but this is a different injury. So there's pain tolerance issues. Moving his head side to side is going to affect him. And also, 
he might be cautious about contact, James. You know, it's going to take him a few minutes, maybe even a whole half, to get comfortable into the flow of the game, I think. Well, he said in the middle of the Toronto series that he was hesitating on certain moves, and he, with his thumb injury, he was starting to think what move is going to, quote-unquote, get him less hurt. <laughs> oh, it could it could change. Look, it's eight days later now at this point. Um, I agree with you, though, that there there is probably some built-in adjustment. I would expect a big game from Maxi tomorrow, big game from Harris. Problem with Philly is their bench. You, you get mixed to no scoring from them, and the guys that are capable of hitting some threes, Niang, Corkmas, they're terrible on defense. They, they can't hang. And, and you know the Heat bench now, especially when you have Victor Oladipo coming in and scoring 19 points yesterday and locking up Harden. You have two guys now that that are both NBA starters on probably 25 to 27 teams, if not more. They, they're options. Ultra opted to put those guys on the bench because they're just really good with energy coming off the bench. Those guys are starters. Those guys are all-stars. So whatever Philly even has from an outlier standpoint, potentially tomorrow hitting more threes off the bench, that he can match that. Um, if Embiid plays, I think the Heat are, are, are better than the Sixers by a couple of possessions, even if Embiid was healthy, um, just because of depth and defense and, and coaching. So, Let's see how, where the injury report lands, but I, I think there's a path to heat going up 3-0. And when you take a look at the total, there's an adjustment here. We saw it was 208 or so for game one, game two, and that went way under. And game two, I thought, was a great over spot because of how poorly both teams shot from three in game one. If there was any signs of progression there that it was going to go over, they the, the line was you know, marketed down by two points, it got bet back up and the game goes over. Now there's a, a, a point and a half to two point adjustment. I'm seeing 210 as a total here in this game three. Any read on the total? Well, game two went over by 14 or 13 and a half points, 119, 103. And Phillies looked good defensively at in, in certain spots. But for 48 minutes, they have lapses at, at different times. So Doc Rivers said something along the lines of uh, you're damned if you do and, and damned if you don't when he was talking about his lineups after game two. And what he was referring to was that, well, he's got the choice. He leaves DeAndre Jordan and, and Thibel out there, and he's got more size and length. But they struggle, one of them offensively and one of them defensively. Um, and then he went into another rotation that he has, and there's problems there. So I think at some point the, the Sixers' defense is definitely going to give up runs. The, the Heat have gone on double-digit, nothing runs a few times in the playoffs. And um, Rivers also in, in his in his timeout, if you hear him, he was saying that they want to speed up Miami to get past the press and score on the press. So. Tempo-wise, it has, it might have something to do with that as well, where Philly's trying to speed things up a little bit because they don't want to wait for Miami to set up their defense because they can't score on it that much versus set up defense. Are you surprised by the opening line for the Suns and the Mavericks being so close? No, because the NBA playoffs, you, you've watched it for you know years and years. There's When an opening line is set from the start of a series, so Suns minus six, 
no matter what happens in those two games, barring, you know, except for injury, the, the lines for game three and four are going to reflect the equivalent of when you shift that team that's on the road in games one to two and at home. Um, this was supposed to be, this was on paper, a one-point spread, essentially, from the start of the series when this got back to Dallas. And the books didn't adjust it yesterday for game two. The Suns should have been a nine-point favorite yesterday. Game one wasn't even close, mm-hmm. with the exception of the last five minutes when Dallas was just chucking up threes. Um, th- there's a pretty significant gap between these two teams. And I don't think anything was more telling than Dallas was on fire in the second quarter. Luka Doncic, you know, Dallas had 17 threes yesterday, 42%. They lose the game by 20 with DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble scoring nine points. It's a great point. So I think, I, I just, I think there's not enough adjustment in these games and there's a lot that's done by the book, on paper. I would agree with you. I mean, the Suns also have won 10 straight, I think it is now, versus versus the Mavericks. So I I haven't seen anything in these two games that gives me any confidence that the Mavericks are winning. So, I mean, it's almost a gift giving me a pick-em spread between these two teams or a one-point spread. Well, I'll say this. Dallas probably gets out to a hot start tomorrow. Dallas if Dallas is up by seven to ten in the first half tomorrow, I won't be surprised because they hit threes at a really high clip, but their runs happen quickly. It might be better to wait, and you could probably get the Suns at plus money on the money line or getting a couple of points. Um, why I still think the Suns can be the right side is they handled whatever run Dallas threw at them yesterday, and the Suns are very good on the road. They won two out of three road games. First, the Pelicans, they won game three in New Orleans without Devin Booker. Um, the last time the Suns were up 2-0 in a series was the finals, and they got that taste in their mouth of blowing. Ooh, that's that's, a, that's so a great point. Yeah, that, I think yeah. I think they take this. This is all business tomorrow. That's a great point. James, hang with me. Let's get to the Saturday games coming up next. He's James Alberino. Follow him on Twitter, at Spread Investor. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VEASAN. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The Kentucky Derby is Saturday, and right now VSIN is offering you a special $9.99 Kentucky Derby betting guide with previews of all the horses and jockeys for every race, plus best bets for the entire weekend, including the run for the roses. Pre-order your copy now at $9.99 at vcin.com slash derby guide. That's vcin.com slash derby guide. Sean King, our very own, he's he's all about the ponies. He's got some great information uh, on this race and just the entire day. Uh, coming up a little later on, we'll be joined by Vinny Maiulo. Uh, he will uh, break down what's going to go on here on Saturday for us. I'm Scott Sadenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, rejoined by James Alberino, who you follow on Twitter, at Spread Investor. And James, I want you to just rehash that final point that you were given out prior to the commercial break about the Phoenix Suns having a 2-0 series lead here over the Mavericks and the intensity that they'll come out with in game three. What's the reasoning there again? Well, look, the Suns, they had that 2-0 lead in the finals, and throughout this regular season, they've talked about 
a couple of times that, you know, it, it's a bad taste in their mouth that they lost four straight after having a 2-0 lead. Um, this is the first time they've had a 2-0 lead in the playoff series. Since then, they were 1-1 with the Pelicans. So I, I think that in this spot, having an advantage over a team who's not even close to the challenge that um, that Milwaukee gave them last year, I think that it is an all-business, prove-it-to-themselves type of game that they want to take care of and flush out the memories of last year's finals. That said, what I was also saying is I think Dallas will give their best punch in the first half. So the end, the Suns have been incredible in the fourth quarter of these playoffs. The fourth quarter last night was just a, another – that was just ridiculous, the 40 points in the quarter. Um, so I, I don't know how much money I would put pregame on the Suns, I think you could get them plus money on the money line after Dallas starts hot from three. Mm, makes a lot of sense. All right, let's talk about Saturday. You got the Celtics uh, and the Bucks from Milwaukee. The Bucks are a three-point favorite here in the series tied at a game apiece. What's your early read here? Yeah, this is the one series out of the four I don't have a great, great feel for, so I may pass. Um, but this has been a series in both games, even game one, when Milwaukee won, they didn't score that much. They didn't have an easy path to the rim. The Celtics defense was pretty good. Um, game two, obviously Milwaukee's offense struggled. So um, the points are probably valuable in this game in the swing game. I would lean Milwaukee in the first quarter, first home game in this series. They typically play well at home early in games. Um, but yeah, to be honest, not not a great great feel. I, I'm more looking to play. I, I want to let this game play out, and I think the loser of this game will be the side to play in Game Four because I just think this is the series that will be two two after Game Four. Interesting. What do you make of the fact that the Celtics are a minus one fifty five favorite to win the series? I thought that they were a little expensive to start the series, and the fact that. If there's a game seven, it will be in Boston. So I think that's baked into it. Um, and, yeah, the, the books are just giving the Celtics the nod there for having that home game potentially. Yeah, but what did that mean? that this, In order for the Celtics to win this series, they have to win a game in Milwaukee. That they do. Um, you know, they, they, you know I, I, I don't know if that can – you know, I know you're implying, you know, that Boston has to be the side in one of these two games, and mm-hmm. they very well they they might be in in either game three or game four. But there's also the possibility that it's three one going back to Boston, and Boston rips off two straight in yeah. Milwaukee, and Boston's the right side in game six. Not that not a that's what's going to happen, um, but I don't know. I could see Milwaukee taking this one, and then and then Boston coming back and being the side game four. So yeah, so that would yeah, yeah. So that would play into exactly what you feel like. So if Milwaukee takes this game, then maybe the spread moves a little bit more for game four, and then the Celtics would be the side in game four. Uh, you know, because that that or if the Celtics are the side here in game three, then the Bucks are the side in game four. Um, yep. Because yeah, if we're going to yep. give them one of these wins, okay. Uh, wait and see approach here. How do you feel about the Grizzlies and the Warriors? Uh, I'll tell you what I feel first, James, and that's that a lot had to happen for the Warriors to not just lose game two, but also not cover 
in game one. But specifically in the loss in game two, it was an abysmal shooting performance from Golden State. And it still took a an epic, historic performance from John Morant. Um, and even with that being said, they had the basketball with a chance to tie it in the closing seconds. So all that going into this, I think that in those first two games, a lot had to break right for the Grizzlies. And I think now is the time where, you know, like I think games one and games two were the variants. And now I think we see what is what we're supposed to see, which is Golden State, as rightfully so, a seven-point favorite here in game three role. I agree with you. I think the Warriors are the right side in this game. And the fact that they're sitting on that loss for four days, they had an extended break in between games two and game three. And what happened with Dylan Brooks and, and Kerr saying that it was a dirty hit. Mm-hmm. Um, the Warriors are definitely um, you know, impatient to get this game going and, and start off well. The thing with the shooting was there were a lot of open looks. It wasn't as if the Grizzlies were contesting a lot of these shots. It was shots that Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson typically make. The two of them, Thompson and Poole, combined for three for 19 from three in game two. Um, like you said, Morant, 47 points. And without no Dylan Brooks is big. Dylan Brooks was guarding Steph in, in game one a lot. And now you have to bring in – pro- they might start Gary Williams. Maybe they'll – to bring in Kyle Anderson. If they if they start Kyle Anderson, that's a liability. I, I don't see how that's possible because then they'll have Anderson and Tillman, two guys in, in the starting lineup that aren't real offensive threats. So I think the likely add is probably Williams. He had 14 last game. He looked really, really good. He's, he's long, too. He's a good defender. Um, but if that's the case, you're taking away someone who's giving you really good bench minutes in this series. And Golden State, <laughs> I think they're they're just in a position to shoot the ball really, really well. Primetime game at Oracle. Um, they are the better team in this series. And, and the Grizzlies did have double-digit deficit to Minnesota multiple times in that series. So, eight lane seven in the NBA, especially in the playoffs. But um, there's no way I could get on the Grizzlies in this game. Uh, what do you make, you know, without Gary Payton, does that take away something big defensively considering how much he played on Morant in game one? It does because he's really good defensively on ball. He's six foot four, but he gets rebounds like he's six ten. Um <clears throat> But I think in the immediate game with him out, you're going to get everyone from Golden State to rise up. And this is a game where everybody collectively – steps up without him. So the injured player theory and, and that combine it with awful loss, you know, seven point spread for golden state with the way they could go on runs is like five and a half to other teams. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think a guy like Damian Lee, or you could play Otto Porter a little bit more, a little bit more size, but, um, yeah, the Warriors definitely have the pieces to compensate collectively. I also think that I would have made this spread eight if I was just going off of what what I've seen so far in the playoffs, which is valuing home court maybe a little bit too much. 
but I think they've been giving three for home court so far, James. And if the Warriors were two point favorites in Memphis, that means that they're a six point. That means they're an eight point favorite at home. And seeing anything under eight to me is a fire on Golden State. Yeah, <laughs> minus eight on paper looks a lot more even at home is a lot more expensive looking than uh, minus two on the road. Um, even though the equivalent, uh, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I agree. And um, I, I, Golden State's going to play with the lead most likely in this game with with how they start at home a lot of times, and they're one four minute run away from beating up double digits and, and that's, scoring. 15, that's how dangerous they are. That's how dangerous they are. James, I appreciate the conversation. As always, best of luck with your bets. Enjoy all the games this weekend. Absolutely, bud. Talk soon. He's James Alberino. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Spread Investor. You can follow me on Twitter, at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, get into the Major League Baseball news. What is What, what went down here on Thursday? What can we expect to see on Friday. This is the look ahead here on Beeson.